This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome to the College Football Playoff Show Q&A, where Doug Maurice and Shahan J. Haraja answer questions about the playoff and its contenders from subscribers. Welcome in, everybody. Thanks again for joining us, Doug and Shahan. Maybe you've been with us from the start. Maybe you heard our commercial. Maybe a friend told you. However you got here to the College Football Playoff Show press conference edition, we are certainly happy to have you. And Shahan, we are going to... Take some questions and comments from our tech subscribers. And again, if you guys want to be able to be part of this and participate in the show, you can try a free trial. We send little stuff to your phone. You can send us stuff. We respond. We use your questions. 817-442-6789. Send a text there. You get signed up for free for 14 days. But we're going to start, Shahan, with some stuff that was spurred by your Twitter feed, which I enjoy because it's got college football stuff in it. Occasional Chicago Bulls, occasional Shahan's thoughts on the world. Uh, just so people, I, I hope people are following. You can follow us at the, the College Football Playoff Show. It's at CFB Playoff Show on Twitter. But also, what's your Twitter, Shahan? Yeah, mine's at Shahan J. Raja, spelled exactly as it sounds. <laughs> but uh, in case you do need some help, S-H-E-H-A-N-J-E-Y-A-R-A-J-A-H. And I believe a tweet that... that prompted me to say let's discuss this a little bit this week was something like i hate the playoff talking about the playoff is stupid i don't know why anybody <laughs> would talk about the playoff and then i was like oh you're on a show where we talk all about the playoff so i was worried shahan that we are we are murdering college football merely by doing this show am i representing some of your tweets from last week Correctly, I'm paraphrasing, but I think I got it pretty no, much right. No, I, I, that was amazing. That was verbatim what, what I tweeted. <laughs> no, so I think that I think something that's been interesting in the playoff era is that the sport has become so national title centric, and you see this with the uh, you see this with the SEC expanding to include Texas and Oklahoma. And this new alliance, which, by the way, we're recording before the alliance officially launches. We don't really know what it means. And by the way, you guys cannot see this. But when Shahan says the alliance, his eyes bulge and he throws his hands to the side. He does jazz hands, practically. It's like the alliance. Ooh, the ooh is understood in when Shahan says the alliance. So every time you hear him say that, that's the facial expression he's making. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, obviously sending Florida State to Corvallis to own the libs, it's going to be great. But uh, yeah, so, you know, we don't really know what this means. But but one thing that we are starting to see and, and something that we've talked about a little bit on previous shows is that there is this NFLization of the sports. The thing, though, with the NFL versus college football is that, one, I think college football's better than the NFL because there's more to it because of the the width and the depth of the sport. And two, because... In the NFL, you have revenue sharing and things like that to create an equal playing field. Relatively speaking, you can't make it exactly equal, but every team does have a chance. There is a level of parity in the NFL that I think is probably unique uh, to, to all American sports. And so if we're moving in that direction, uh, which you mentioned, you mentioned the regionalism aspect. If we're moving in that direction, I, I don't know if that's good for the long term health of the sport. Now, the one thing that I'll say is that I actually do like the way that we do this show. Because we don't just sort of say, well, let's just talk about Alabama and only Alabama, right? We want to be very legitimate about, one, who the best teams in the country are. That does matter. That That is significant. But we also want to talk about it in the context of the other teams that we think are also contenders to be there and not just focus. Because I, I think that the way that we handle this sport right now is almost like the four teams that we came in with, if we just kind of stop there, right? Yeah. And, and so I do think... We're, we're building it out to eight, nine, ten, and including some teams that I would not include. But, you know, I, I think from that perspective, you know, nationalism is good in the sense of, like, at least talking about the sport nationally. But I don't even think we do that, right? We just kind of focus on, like, 
it's like an oligarchy more than anything else. Yeah, I will say like when we were starting this show and it was like Shahan is the exact right guy to be on this show. My only reservation about you was like, this guy's smart. This guy's good on podcasts. The only thing is I think he hates the playoff. <laughs> so that's as long as we can get past the fact. But but here's like my argument would be I almost think college football is existing in two worlds at the same time. Yes. And I think that can happen. Yeah. And the thing is like, show, there's no other sport that has 130 teams in it. There's not a hundred. If major league baseball or the NBA or the NFL had 130 teams, you would have tears and you would have people realizing, well, not all 130 are competing for a championship. There are other things you have to be happy with. Some places it's a winning record. Some places it's a bowl game. Some places it's beating your rivalry beating a rival. Some places it's trying to win a conference championship once every 10 years that I do think you can find things to shoot for that are good for the program, good for the fan base, that it doesn't have to be all or nothing for, you know, the bottom 110 because you'd just be banging your head against the wall. But I do want to get into some specifics. And there was a regionalism question from our guy, Kenny, who's a subscriber and sent this in. Regionalism is losing steam because of the playoff. Maybe it will come back with more teams making the playoff, but with only four spots, it's eat or get eaten. The focus is on the four and the consolation prizes don't seem as good because traditional blue bloods are also down at the same time. If USC, Texas, Florida State, Michigan make it back, then regionalism will come back. Shahan, I think that is an interesting point because I think part of the issue here is that Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma have been so dominant in their regions that there is no consolation prize for them because you feel like, are you serious? Like if Oklahoma's like, are you serious? We lost to Iowa state the year Alabama's but like, but for instance, the year Alabama lost to LSU, I'm not saying Alabama fans were happy with that, but you look at that and say, well, what are you going to do? LSU's awesome. And if that was happening a little more often where Ohio state clubs in Oklahoma, Alabama could be, could have a good year regionally without going out nationally and succeeding, I think that would change things. But there's such a, there's such a one team in each region kind of thing that none of those teams can be happy because anything that keeps them from the national picture is an upset and a disappointment. And I do think that enhances the national view because those teams can't be satisfied with regional success and then basically everybody else in those regions kind of have to be satisfied with regional success in a world where regional success is not viewed the same way as national success. It's just we just need more good teams at the top. I think to Kenny's point, Shahan, there is structurally some stuff wrong. But I do think if you just had 10 top tier teams instead of four top tier teams, that would solve a decent chunk of it. I do think that would be significant. And I think that in some ways this goes back to what I was saying. You know, for me, it's less that I don't like the playoff because I think that it's great that we get to see it happen on the field. And it's more that I don't like how the playoff has changed the way that we talk about college football. Mm. You know, because we we have four playoff teams now, right? So maybe now you're talking about a 15 being involved. Whereas I think back in the day, you know, I mean, I, I think that you got more conversation about, wow, here are... Uh, several teams that could have a chance to break into that top two. Here's the path to getting there. Here's the, the path to success. And, you know, not that I want to <laughs> by any means go back to the AP poll area, but there was a lot of conversation about a lot of different places uh, when you were having that conversation. And so I think for me, again, it's less that I don't want there to be a playoff. I think that it's great that there's a playoff. And I, I'm very excited also for us to move to 12 because I think that changes that conversation. But if all the conversation is going to be on the playoff, then it's no wonder that everybody just decides, well, we're going to go to Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson because that's the only schools where we can be at a place that matters, where people are going to talk about us nationally. And I think the other thing, too, is that, for lack of a better phrase, I think there's a certain bit of laziness when it comes to coverage of college football because people know their area. People know their team. And so it, it kind of it kind of lets them off the hook and lets them say, well, okay, well, Alabama's always good. Let's just talk about that, right? Like, there are guaranteed yeah. storylines that you know are going to happen. Uh, 
uh, you know, Alabama going to be good. Ohio State's going to have a great quarterback. Uh, Oklahoma's going to have a great offense. And I think you even see that in, in some cases with with uh, the storylines kind of just lasting forever. And, and you know, I mean, <laughs> I'll point to the Oklahoma defense thing, right? Like Oklahoma 2017 and Oklahoma 2020 on defense are two totally different things. But it's like we just kind of keep saying the same thing over and over again because it's easy. And, and that's the biggest thing. And in terms of regionalism, I think that a big part of it is definitely teams coming up and being able to beat those teams. If Michigan, if Penn State were able to beat Ohio State, that would help from a regionalism perspective. And, you know, because you talk about regional success. Well, how can a team have regional success if Ohio State, Oklahoma, Alabama and Clemson are still winning every single year? Right. Like right. you need a year or two where at least those teams get knocked off. And you've had that a little bit in the Big Ten, though. It looks like it's maybe coming to an end. You haven't had that in the Big 12 at all, right? Oklahoma's dominated that league. With Alabama, again, there's like individual moments where Georgia and LSU goes through. And I think that's one of the reasons why the SEC is the most popular league is because you have those moments. And with Clemson, it's, I mean, they they don't play a game and they haven't played a game really since Florida State fell apart. Uh, That's kind of been significant in conference. So not to mention the Pac-12, which hasn't even had a chance since 2014. Right. So that's that's a part of it, right? You, You need there to be upsets. You need there to be moments. There, there needs to be a chance because if there's not a chance, then what's the point? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Um, there's a question specifically about this as it relates to Ohio State that we have, Shahan. Yeah, this is from Alexander. Winning the national championship at a place like Ohio State is the first and only reason I followed the Buckeyes. Talk of winning the CFP is good and is what most people want. Yeah, and I, I think that's the think? example of what we're talking about is because Ohio State has been so dominant and and because I think at a place like Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State or Oklahoma, the fan base doesn't respect the other teams in the conference or the region that every time, like if, yeah. if Ohio State loses, every Ohio State loss before the playoff is viewed as an upset. Very like you wouldn't in this era be like, well, you know what? Like this year, Penn State just had better guys or this year, Michigan's quarterback was awesome and Harbaugh dialed it up and Josh Gaddis just got the defense right. Everything for Ohio State or Oklahoma or Clemson or Alabama, every regular season loss is viewed as a failure. And so when you do that, right, that it's like, well, the only thing I care about is because is the national title because there's not a loss regionally that I can feel good about. Now, of course, like, what do you mean a loss you can feel good about? Well, you know, when Alabama gets Joe Burrowed, I mean, they fought hard in that game. They were right there, right? It's like, you know, you got Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and and Grant Delpitted and Jacob Phillips and Joe Burrowed. Like, what are you going to do? There aren't those games like that. So then that that makes the fans focus even more because I'll tell you what, like when Ohio State, when when Michigan is equal to Ohio State, yes, Ohio State fans are devastated to lose to Michigan, but I don't know that they felt like the program was a failure, you know, when Woody and Bo were going at it, right? Because it's like, man, we hate those guys, but we know they're good. It's not an abject failure to lose to them. Ohio State doesn't have a peer like that. Oklahoma, when Oklahoma loses to Texas, when Texas is good, Oklahoma fans aren't like, well, our program's in tatters because we lost that game. It's like, well, Texas has good guys too. And we don't have that. And then I think that increases, it's a circle, man. It increases Ohio State fans focusing only on the national title because nobody else is good enough to challenge them to make them make those fans feel good about any other accomplishment. Because it's like, well, duh. Ohio State won the Big Ten, duh. Clemson won the ACC. Duh. What What is there to celebrate about Clemson winning the ACC? Cool. Clemson's better than Miami, Florida State, Virginia Tech, and North Carolina and Boston College. Big deal. But if North Carolina gets good, it will be a bigger deal. And then the fans will focus less on the national title because there will be things that make them feel good along the way. And that's better for college football. But I'm not sure that structure, as much as it is, the second-tier teams not being able to hang, man. Right, right. Well, I mean, I'll ask, what is the last regular season Ohio State game that was a truly marquee matchup? I mean, like, in a way that, I would say in a way that, like, when's the last time Ohio State, other than their crazy, like, blip of a a chaotic year in 2011, like, the last time where Ohio State could, like, lose a regular season game 
against a Big Ten opponent because I lost to Oklahoma in 2017. Yeah, and, and that was Baker what Mayfield I was going to say, right? Like 2017 yeah, Oklahoma that. is like the last Ohio State game other than like them blowing out Michigan, which is fun every year. That's the last one that I've been like, I've got to turn this game on, right? Like that's how long it's been. Yeah. And like in the Big Ten, like the idea, like the last time Ohio State lost a regular season game where Ohio State fans would have thought, well, you know what? They're good too. Man, like, I, like I don't even, I don't even know. Like maybe 2000, 2008 or two thousand five, Penn State, maybe. But it's like they, you know, they go to Wisconsin in two thousand ten. They had number one and they lose to Wisconsin in Madison. That's a really good Wisconsin team, but it still was like, well, Ohio State blew it. They were number one and they. Right. Blew- like that's all that's like 15 years <laughs> where you feel like no there's nothing acceptable in your conference and I think and again you could apply the same thing to a bunch of other schools and that's rough man that is rough but I don't know I am not 100% sure where the failure is because that was before the playoff era that was we're we're you know we're doing you know the playoff I mean we're doing you know the BCS and all that stuff and it still was that way so I would agree that like that's not great for college football, but I don't know that it's college football's fault. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I don't know who to blame for that. Sure, sure. Well, and, and actually, I think this next question talks about that a little bit. Yeah, no. And one of the things that we want to make sure that we do here is that we blame people uh, <laughs> is also a big thing that's here. This is from our friend Jim. Um, the question is sort of about like, hey, like, are we ruining college football by having this podcast? He said, this is an excellent point. Every weekly college football game has value. Look for it, like find the value. So like, what's the advice, Shahan, of like how to find value in games that maybe aren't really part of the national title picture? Yeah, I think that one thing to remember is that every team, all 130 teams, one, have great players and have great fan bases that are invested in this game, right? And so I think a big part of the conversation is, isn't even just saying, hey, every team in the country should be looking for national success. I don't think that's realistic. But I think that one thing that we could do is shine more of a light on regional success. Because we talk about, oh, well, well, these teams only can achieve regional success, but we're not even pointing it out when teams are doing it unless it's in the context of the playoff, right? And so, for example, Iowa State before last year, was doing something crazy, right? I mean, they were only winning eight games, but relative to that program, it was ridiculous. That does not happen. I think that they had never won back-to-back eight-game seasons or hadn't in, like, 50 years or something like that, right? Like, that was crazy. We didn't talk about it, though, until they showed up in the top 10 playoff graphic. That's the first time that we acknowledge that team as existing. Uh, You know, and, and one thing that I really like about the AP poll and about the playoff ranking is that it gives you an opportunity to see teams that you wouldn't expect to be in the top 25, right? Like what's happening at Louisiana right now? I mean, Billy Napier is going to someday be the coach of one of the biggest programs in the country. Now we shouldn't talk about him only in that context, but like when a team is ranked in the college football playoff top 25, that wouldn't usually be ranked even like a Northwestern. Like I think that we probably should talk about a little more like, that should matter. We, we shouldn't just view Northwestern as, oh, well, that's a sacrificial lamb to Ohio State. They, they put together a great season and they should be talked about in that context. Right. So I think that's a big part of it is just changing the way that we look at college football and the way that we talk about college football, because regional success is a good thing. It is a good thing for yeah. teams that won't compete nationally to beat their rival. <clears throat> it's a good thing for teams that wouldn't normally make it to make their conference uh, championship game. You know, like what's happening at North Carolina. We're going to talk about North Carolina on the main show. And I don't really care in this context, whether North Carolina is a national title contender, because what they're doing is amazing. And and we should acknowledge that even if it's just that they make the ACC title game. So uh, I, I think that's the biggest thing about it is we need to shine as much of a light on regional success as we do on national success, because that stuff matters too. I think there's a way. What if we did as part of our Q and a episode, once we get into the season, we each did a top five of like the current teams. Like it's a top five ranking based on success versus expectation. Sure. You know that like, and it's like number one, Iowa state, number two, Louisiana, number three, North Carolina, number four, Northwest, right? Or, you know, somebody that sure, sure, sure. that there's what you've been, there's what you're, you know, the talent in your region, your, your, um, 
you know, how much money you, your program gets to spend and then like what you're doing so that there's a there's like a sliding scale that we can grade it on a curve a little bit. And that maybe we could work something in like that where while we're acknowledging the playoff and we're top, there's another way to judge success. And now the question I would ask about this, Johan, is like when Iowa State's been great under Matt Campbell by great by their standards, like are that is that fan base wrapped up in playoff talk or are they just like loving it and they're not worried about the playoff and they do care about, man, we've got to beat Iowa, but man, we beat Oklahoma State and that was a great, we played Oklahoma tough and that was, you know what I mean? Like, Maybe nationally we're not acknowledge it, but aren't the fan bases themselves not that worried about the national picture and they are enjoying the regional success? Yeah, there, there's no question about it. And that's one thing that's going to be interesting because I'll actually go back to my time when I was at Baylor. And back in 2013, Baylor goes 11-1. They lose out on a chance to play in the national title game because uh, because of a game against Oklahoma State. But everybody was happy after the season, right? Like, you won yeah. the conference. That was crazy. That That's never supposed to happen. Whereas 2014 was way less enjoyable for me. It, it just was not as fun because it was all playoff, playoff, playoff. It was, oh, you know, who's going to get in? Baylor goes 11-1, but, like, oh, we missed out to Ohio State. Like, that's that's not that fun to me. You know, like, interesting. It, I don't know. It, it, the second year was a lot less fun than the first year where you just kind of got to enjoy the ride. And I think... I hope that Ohio, I mean, sorry, that Iowa State fans keep that perspective. And I think that they've been beaten down for so long. I don't think they're going to take it for granted. But, uh, but you know, the second year of being really good and having expectations tends to be a lot less fun because then you can fail, right? Then you can fail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, there's a question that kind of gets to sort of my angle on this from our guy, Billy. Yeah. It's from Billy Byler. For 150 years, college football and college football alone was decided by talk. They didn't even play a championship. They just picked one. So talking about playoff contenders isn't ruining anything. That's from Billy in Kansas. Yeah, that's the hard thing. I mean, like, I'm old enough to have followed college football for a long time where it was like, hey, who's the best team? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, they didn't play each other. Yeah. Somebody was in the Rose Bowl and somebody was in the Orange Bowl. So I don't know. Bunch of dudes are going to vote, but I don't know. And like. That seems so antiquated. And like, I don't find that like regionally interesting to be like, oh, the two best teams. Are, no, they didn't play each other. Why would they play each other? They're tied to they go on vacation. Their fans go on vacation in different parts of the country and play football games. So they couldn't do that. That drove me crazy. And so like, I'm so anti that. And maybe there are some people who long for that. But maybe there's a younger generation, you know, like for you, Shahan, that not just, you know, that you're not aware of that, but it wasn't as part of your life for as long, even pre-BCS. As, as messed up as the BCS was, it was still much better than the thing before. And so, like, having gone through that, like, this is just so much better to me. Yeah, it, yeah. Before it was regional, but it was, all like, almost only regional. So it's like, if it's if the choice is, like, only regional or only national, I'll take only national. Right. Because. Great. You know, you you won your area, but we have no idea who the best team is if you can. But I do think we are doing a decent job of walking both paths right now. And I do think if I think in the end, if it's not if it's a national sport for the 25 best teams and a regional sport for the other hundred, I think that's possible. I think it's close to what we have now. And I think that's kind of the best answer and every now and then if one of the regional schools pops into the national picture great but you know what at purdue and wake forest and washington state and kansas state it's not the same thing as alabama oklahoma ohio state and that nobody should expect it to be but i hope there's enough other opportunities for those schools to determine their own brand of success and and i actually think we are in a pretty decent spot all things considered and actually you know this is unplanned but i'm gonna jump into scott's comment right after this from scott from scott corwin uh to be candid direct yours is the college football playoff show the constant unrelenting focus on the playoffs is exactly why i tune in there are ample alternative platforms to facilitate regional college football conversation if the show turns into a glorified travelogue through autumn college towns and mascot rivalries then i'm out my two cents and i think that that's interesting right because I agree. I, I do think that this is the college football playoff show. We're going to focus on the college football playoff. We want to know who the best team in the country is, and we're going to consider all the alternatives uh, on the path to getting there. And the one thing that where I'd push back is I don't know how well this sport does of featuring the regionalism, right? Like, 
again, this is the college football playoff show. This is where we talk about the college football playoff. The Q&A, we get a little bit, uh, you know, off topic a, a little bit. But like, yeah, I mean, I want to see more from ESPN, from the other yeah. big platforms of uh, focusing in on that regionalism. Because that's the thing. It is great and good for the college football playoff show to talk about the college football playoff. The issue that I have is every show becoming the college football playoff show. And that's where I think that we can do better. I agree with that. And I will say, again, I, I worked for Cleveland.com and we are doing a preseason project where we divided up the country into three regions, basically sort of like North, Southwest and South. And we're going to, we're trying to analyze like sort of who's the best program in each region that like, we're not going to pretend that each region does football exactly the same. We're not going to pretend that the the talent level in each region is exactly the same. And, and we're trying to, to hone in a little bit on the idea of like being the best team in your area does have value. Yeah. Then it means something. And then at the end, let's have everybody go out into the world and butt heads. But like, you've got to be the best in your area first. And I think there's something to that. I, you know, even, and, and conferences, Conferences should be that. I do think conference titles have been diminished. I mean, I don't know that anybody would argue that, but I think there is a way to find to say like, hey, these 20 teams, even if you divided the country up into 10 areas, you know, say like, hey, who's the best team in New England? Who's the best team in the Northwest? Who's the best team in California? Who's the best team in Texas? Who's the best team, you know, in, in Florida, Georgia? There's a way to do that that I think you could find value in that, but that that we kind of don't. We kind of don't. Maybe we need a spinoff show. Let's 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 talk to the bosses about that. You know what? The first show is going so great. We have a we have another one called not the college football playoff show where we're going to do everybody we talk else. about That's the nothing but Utah football. Yeah. Yeah. We will never say the word Alabama, but wait until you see our analysis of Purdue. That's not true. We will talk about South Alabama. That's true. Right. Uh, OK, we'll take a quick break. That was a sort of our discussion about are we ruining college football playoff with this show? I think the answer we came to is is no. We came to no. We'll have to. We came to no. Thank you. We may have to ask the texters again. We'll maybe send that out this week. Are we ruining college football with this show? Uh, 817-442-6789 for the texters. We'll be back right after this with Doug and Shahan. Back on the college football playoff show. We're talking a little bit of recruiting here, Shahan, because there was kind of a big get yeah. this week that, again, we are going to do North Carolina as the team. Do they deserve to be in the conversation on the main pod this week? But North Carolina is kind of making moves in other ways. Yeah, this this is from Drew Coleman. Clemson just lost a 2022 five-star defensive tackle, Travis Shaw, to North Carolina. If other regional powers in the ACC with arguably bigger brands start to rise up and keep talent local, UNC, FSU, Miami, does it pose a threat to Clemson's program? It appears as though Clemson benefits most from the ACC being weak. But what if it stops being weak? Will Clemsoning make a comeback? Yeah, I mean, th this idea, the best programs take advantage of weakness, mm -hmm. right? And that it, everybody can't be up at the same time. And so you see this. It's like it's it's all connected. But... Yes. And that's the thing. Like when you are a state university, if you aren't a head coach that can right off the bat, your first goal is make the players in your state proud to join your program, state pride, university pride. Your parents can just go right down the road and see you play. You have to establish that first. And I would say, you know, in most states, Shahan, I think a good coach should be able to do that. Whether it's Mac Brown at North Carolina, whether it's Jed Fish at Arizona, whether it's Greg Schiano at Rutgers, whether it's Tom Allen at Indiana, whether it's Jimmy Lake at Washington, whether it's Mario Cristobal at Oregon, like that's where you have to start. And if you can't do that and create that state pride, Urban Meyer got to Ohio State. He started talking about make the great state of Ohio proud the minute he got here. They had a banner in the student section, right? That guy's recruiting nationally. He's going, he was going to every other state and being like, leave your state and come to us. And the Ohio kids, he's telling you, make your state proud. You have to be able to do that. I'm not saying it's easy, but it, absolutely, you cut the legs out of all these programs. Because as soon as Clemson sees weakness, 
they're going to go in. As soon as Ohio State sees weakness, they go in. Oklahoma sees weakness, they go in. When they see strength for a local power, they're not going to spend as much time because they're not going to bang their head against the wall when they think we're not going to get this guy. You look at North Carolina the last couple of years, they now have three of the top four, five of the top seven kids in the state of North Carolina in the class of 2022. 2021, they got two of the top three, five of the top eight, six of the top 10. 2020, they got four of the top six. When you look at before Mac Brown, 2019, they got two of the top 13 kids in North Carolina. 2018, they got one of the top eight, three of the top 15. That's weakness. Everybody's going in there. Mac Brown shows some strength. People are going to, it's going to get easier for them to recruit in state. So it absolutely has an effect on Clemson. And that, but then Clemson will go somewhere else. Everybody's in California right now because USC is showing weakness. So that's why the starting quarterbacks for Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State this year are second-year players who are all from California because USC can't keep their guys home, and it's worth it for those schools to go recruit in California. If Pete Carroll was there, they wouldn't be doing it because it's not worth flying across the country to lose to Pete Carroll. You have to be able to do it. North Carolina is doing it. It will affect Clemson. It affects Ohio State, Alabama when the local team does it. But then they look, there's always weakness somewhere, and the smartest powers in recruiting find the weakness, but they won't be going to North Carolina as much. I guarantee that. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that by any means this is a warning sign for Clemson, because like you mentioned, I mean, this is a program that also the past several years has started to recruit much more nationally because they have the ability to do so because they're in the college football playoff every single year. And in some ways, I actually think that the ACC getting a little better might be good for Clemson because you get to mm. play more meaningful games because you get to host, you know, big time games against North Carolina, against Miami. I, I think that's a good thing for Clemson. Um, yeah, it does mean that the Carolinas, maybe you have a little bit less of a stranglehold on. But, you know, with Clemson, they're already fighting against Georgia and Alabama and Florida and all these other teams on on the East Coast. So. I wouldn't say that this is just like a minor inefficiency that Clemson's been able to take advantage of. They've been able to beat some of these biggest teams uh, in the nation for recruits year after year after year. So there is going to be an aspect where, yeah, guys are probably going to have to get on a few more planes than they had to before. But I don't necessarily see this as being a warning sign as much as a credit to North Carolina and potentially in the relatively long term, maybe the ACC. And I do think Clemson built what it is by coaching guys up, developing lower-ranked guys. Yep, They've only yep. in the last couple of years. I mean, they were winning national titles when they were recruiting in the 10s and 15s. Right. Now they've become a top-five recruiting power, so they also know how to win, that they are not just a talent factory. They know how to coach some football there, And too. I would not want to be North Carolina State right now. That's uh, it, them and Duke, I think. It is it is scary hours for them. And it's, again, everybody can't be up at the same time. Michigan State made a run while Michigan was down, right? And then if Michigan gets it going a little bit, then it's harder for Michigan State, especially when you have two big time programs in the same state. Man, it is it go I mean it is hard for them both to be good because you're stealing from each other. Yeah, so this is not a good time. North Carolina State is eager for Mac Brown to decide to hang it up whenever that I think he's 70 or almost 70, but he might be doing this for another 5 or 10 years cuz he's got it rolling in North Carolina. All right, we want to talk a little NIL as it results as it relates to like being good football again, I, I I'm continue to be like not that interested in who got a coffee endorsement. If it just is still good players going to good programs and it's like, great, good luck to you. I'm not that interested, but how it matters to the game. It's from our guy, Tim. Well, NIL caused blue chip players to stay in college longer, Shahan. And I do think, for instance, again, the super seniors, the, the teams that are having guys stick around, we're really seeing an effect on how that influences the game if you do have some guys put off the NFL for a year. So I don't think that it's going to change things for the top of the top for the guys who are going to be first round NFL draft picks because you're it's not a comparable amount of money, right? We're, we're excited because Bryce Young maybe is making a million dollars now, right? And that's a big deal. That's a huge deal to be right. the starting quarterback of a college football team and make a million dollars. But if he gets drafted in you know with the 27th pick he's making four or five times that right away so i don't think that this is going to impact the guys who are surefire first round nfl guys but where i do think this can make a difference is the guys who are maybe a little more borderline i think that maybe you see a couple of guys even guys who came in as four and five star kids uh, you, you know sometimes there's this rush to get through your three years so you can enter the nfl draft 
uh, and a lot of kids make a decision that maybe isn't the right one for that reason because they're trying to chase the money because obviously that's why they play football, right? In a lot of ways. And so I do think that helps with some of those kids. Uh, you know, there was there was a receiver back at Baylor back in 2016 named Katie Cannon. He was a multiple-time thousand-yard uh, receiver for them. He left after three years. He was kind of an incomplete product at that point. Uh, you know, maybe that kind of kid ends up staying, right? Whether it's at there or whether it's at a school like Ohio State or Alabama or wherever. You know, I, I think that that's the hope is that it means that you can make the better decision for you more than anything else. If you're going to be a first round, if you're going to be number one, no, of course not. There's no amount of NIL money that somebody could put together that would have made it worth it for Trevor Lawrence to stay in school another year. But if you are one of these other players, uh, you know, who, who maybe is right on the edge of it, right on the borderline. Yeah, I think that hopefully this can get kids to to make a decision that's right for them instead of having to chase the money. I think that's exactly right. If you're still if you're first rounder, you still kind of have to go. But but there are there are kids sometimes who it's like, well, they know they're going to be a third or fourth or fifth rounder, but like they're making no money right now. Right. And if you can help your family or help yourself a year earlier, that's hard to turn down. I think you're exactly right. And that often is can sometimes be at those mid-tier teams, those second-tier teams. And again, Iowa State, we're talking about, I keep coming around more and more and more and more on Iowa State. They're a fascinating example, and it's the kind of thing we see in college basketball, right? It's like you have the one-and-done schools, and then you have the schools where they have guys stick around for three and four years. And when you hit the right group of fourth-year guys, even at a smaller program, you can hang with a one-and-done school if you have the right guys. It just... There might be enough in the NIL to keep some of those guys at the second tier schools around because they're not going to be first round picks. They're going to be fourth round picks. And then when they stay, they get their team over the top in a way that hasn't happened in previous years. I think you're exactly right on how that might work, Shahan. All right, let's close out with this one from Douglas. Fans will not be allowed to attend Oregon games without proof of vaccination or a clean COVID test. Will that rule apply to players as well? Yeah, I mean, it's it, college football is clearly... Making they are coming like up against the edge, right, of a vaccine mandate that they just are making it your life more difficult if you're not vaccinated. So you have to be, I think it's like at least I think at the Big Ten, it's like if you're not vaccinated, I think you have to be tested twice a week. If you are vaccinated, like you don't have to be tested kind of at all. So it's like, well, even unless you really have symptoms, how would you even know you have it? It's like you're vaccinated. You're good to go. That's a great incentive versus I'm testing twice a week and maybe I don't even know I have it, but I have it. Now I have to sit out. But the other thing is that's hard is that, you know, with a smaller group. Right. I, I, and I don't know if the, I mean, it's an interesting question. I don't know if the question is asked like seriously or like sarcastically to make a point. You can control your team. You know who they're around to some degree. Right. Hey, these are 125 guys. We sort of have a handle on them. And you don't have a handle on 60,000 people or 80,000 people. So it is a different thing of like, listen, like we don't know exactly what's up, so we're going to require this this thing. Like the bigger you so so like I get it. Um there's going to be a lot of line walking with this, right? There's a lot of places where it's like, well, you have to wear a mask while you're in the concourse or in the bathroom or at the concession stand because you're enclosed and you're walking with people and you go out in the stadium and you don't have to wear a mask when you're sitting on top of each other in the stands, but at least you're outside. Like, I don't know what the science is on all that, but college football programs, especially I think, Shahan, feel like they can get a handle on their people because they're accountable to something and fans aren't. So then you do, I think, the idea of like, there is like a, we have to be stricter with fans because- you're not accountable to the university in any other way. Right. So I like, I it's, it's tough, but I, I get like why Oregon and maybe some other schools are doing it. Yeah. And, and you kind of mentioned it a little too, right? Uh, the answer is that yes, players will have to have a negative test because they're tested three times a week if they're unvaccinated or tested one time right. a week if they are vaccinated. So Yes, the answer is yes, they do have to have a negative test just like anyone else. And the other thing too, when you're talking about players versus fans is that fans are given the privilege to obviously be at football games whereas players they're involved in the program they're part of this so right. like it's not a it's not a fair comparison to kind of try to compare fans to to players and and you mentioned a lot of the reasons right there all right we will take a quick break we're actually going to come back and do a tiny little bit because in addition to 
not being sure if he actually likes the college football playoff, Shahan does not like the Alliance. And so we have to, we have to, we did, we did a lot of the Alliance last week. It's coming more to fruition. We have to dip into that very quickly. We'll do it next on the college football playoff show press conference. Doug and Shahan, Shahan, we don't have a question for this, but again, I, uh, to paraphrase your tweet, I think you said something like, uh, the Alliance stinks. I hate it. I don't know why they're doing it. This is dumb. Uh, it's close. Do you have a photographic and memory? I do. <laughs> I, I have a photographic memory of how I want to see the world. <laughs> it's like it's my own version. It's only in my head. We are recording this Tuesday morning before the announcement comes out Tuesday afternoon. But a lot of outlets are writing about this is what it's going to be. There is a scheduling component to it, but teams have stuff so scheduled so far out. I do like the idea of if it's going to be the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12, I do think the, that what it should be is everybody plays a team in each conference each year, and then if the Big Ten would go from nine, I think the perfect schedule like for a Big Ten team is instead of nine conference games, you play eight. So you play eight Big Ten games. You play one ACC, one Pac-12 every year. That's 10 you play one lousy non-conference game to make money at home, and then you play one other national game against an SEC team or something else. And I think that would work in a million different ways. I think that's what it should be. I understand why it's complicated. But Shahan, they're just trying to they're trying to hold hands and and stick together. And I, I don't know what else they should do. I, I don't think doing nothing is an option for those three conferences in the face of the SEC. And I don't think expanding just to expand is the right option. So this is like in between. So I don't know why you're such a sarcastic dingleberry about this. Well, I mean, so I, I think it was David Hale over at ESPN was looking through schedules for ACC teams. And like between 2021 and 2026, I think there's something like 30 non-conference spots available out of like 300. So you'd have to rip up potentially a lot of contracts if you're all of a sudden going to be blowing everything up and creating all these non-conference matchups. This is probably something that won't really be able to happen until like 2027 when this is all kind of irrelevant. And the other thing too is that, I mean, the ACC plays eight conference games. They play four non-conference games. The Big Ten prides itself on playing only three non-conference games, right? So we can't even get a consistency on that to start with, right? Like, I mean, we haven't been able to get that in college football in general. I mean, the, the reason that uh, South Carolina had this crazy long bowl streak is because they got to play four, you know, three nobodies every single year. They had to play Clemson, of course, but like, we can't even agree on basic things like that. So what does this actually mean? Does this mean that the Big Ten, if they add to it, does this mean that the Big Ten is going to consider playing 11 conference games, only having one non-conference game? Are we going to find a level of consistency? And, and the other part of this, too, that I think matters a lot is that we will have some of these contracts maybe for crossover games, but like it doesn't necessarily come with money. And money's really the biggest thing at the end of the day. So if we're not talking about money, then it probably doesn't actually matter. And the other thing, too, is that there's no reason. I, I understand the, the the thought process behind let's try to band together and go against the SEC. But the fact that you are conflating three major conferences with the SEC kind of shows how none of y'all are the SEC. No, I know. Nobody is the SEC. So nobody can take on the SEC by themselves. So they have to gang up on him. Like we know if we go one on one with the SEC, everybody's going to lose. If we try to raid each other to match the SEC, you're, someone's going to lose. This is the only way for these three conferences to all win. But I do think, listen, first of all, I mean, I, I just covering Ohio State, they rip up contracts all the time. I mean, they constantly are like, oh, we're going to play Tennessee in 2027. No, we're not. We're going to play. Jordan. No, they, they, it happens on the regular. And the idea for like for Ohio State, I think if all three of those conferences got to eight conference games, two crossover games, and then two unaffiliated games, and that's your 12-game schedule, I think that makes sense for everybody. Forget, for instance, for Ohio State, this year they're playing like they're playing three crossover games in the West. So say you lose the Minnesota crossover game, and they're playing Tulsa as one of their non-conference games. So you trade Minnesota and Tulsa for Washington. And Clemson, that's better TV inventory. That's more on the national stage. And that makes you more money. And that's what they would be doing every year. You trade a mid-tier non-conference game and a crossover game against a lousy conference team and add like two big. Then next year, Ohio State plays Arizona State and Miami. Then the next year, they play USC 
and Boston College or whatever. I do think it makes a lot of sense, but you also, they're going to just vote together. They're going to make sure that the SEC doesn't take over college football. But I do think, Shahan, and I can't remember if we talked about this already, this is their last chance to, to have it that the SEC doesn't run the show. I think if they don't stand up now, the SEC is the best conference. So the only way to counterweight that is to gang up with three conferences. Otherwise, it's just going to be the SEC's world and they're going to be living in it. If they don't do it now, I think it's over. So I understand like while they're, why they're trying to figure something out. And I do think this is the best thing. And like we're going to vote as a block. We have similar interests. And we don't, as you said, NCAA governance, scheduling, like just a lot of other things. Maybe there's NIL rules, whatever. If you don't want to have the SEC dictating to everybody else on that, because they dictate on the field, right? And maybe you can't stop that. But off the field, if you don't do this, you're dead. So I get why they're doing it. And I think it is the best option. Like, what if you were in one of those three conferences, John, what would you do? What do you think they should do? Yeah, I mean, the answer is that I, I think the one focus and the one place where maybe this can be a good thing is if you can get the playoff to market. If you can get it to not just potentially be just an ESPN property. And that is one piece of this, right? But, for example, you you talk about this uh, this sort of 10-game schedule, you know, with, with two unaffiliated games, which would be a lot of fun to watch, obviously. Uh, you think Boston College is super excited about playing 10 Power 5 games a year? I mean, the reason that they have so many non-conference games against lesser opponents is because they're looking for wins anywhere they can get it. And so, you know, th- I think this would be good for... The Ohio State's this would be good for the Clemson's this would be good for maybe even the I, I think the probably the place that it benefits most is maybe the top tier of the Pac-12 but like I wouldn't want to be Justin Wilcox at Cal right now I wouldn't want to be Nebraska right now I like it just do you want to go in year after year after year and go three and nine I, I just don't know if that's going to be something that's going to be all that popular once you get down to it But I think you tell those teams, it's like, you can either do this or Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Miami, Florida State, and Clemson are joining the SEC. And then Boston College and Purdue, go go have your six-win schedule as much as you want. Nobody will care. And you will have no TV contract. And you, like, if you want, if you are the bottom two-third teams in these three leagues, if you don't want the top third to just say, well, that's it. We're going to the SEC and there's going to be a top tier and a bottom tier. This is what you do then instead. So you have to keep your big dogs happy. So like, I don't know that Boston College and Purdue and Washington State have much say in this at all, but tough noogies. I mean, I, I do think that this gets back to actually something that I wrote in a column on textfootball.com a few weeks ago when all this stuff was happening with the Big 12, which is that, okay, I mean, sure, if you want to be the team that goes three and nine and gets to brag about being power conference, okay, I guess. I mean, they're not paying me the checks for being power conference. I, I almost feel like as somebody who obviously appreciates all levels of college football, I almost feel like if the top 15 to 20 decided to just break off and do their own thing and everybody else just got to enjoy college football while they kind of tried to make a JV NFL, like, I don't know, like... I, I think it is more fun. This is a very controversial statement. I know. I think it is more fun to go to a college football team and see your team win football games than it is to have more money that you don't get to get paid and see them lose literally always. And it brings us back around to the regionalism discussion yes. that we started with. Here. <laughs> Full circle. And if those, if those bottom two third teams in these three conferences in the Alliance view it that way. We're just going to worry about regional success. We don't need the TV contracts. That's as big. We want to have a good product for our players and our fans. And that's the priority. Then I think you're right. But I don't I don't think that's their priority. I think they think they need the money. They want to participate in the big TV deal. This does create better TV inventory. If you're creating some more big time games, again, Ohio State's trading Minnesota and Tulsa for Washington and Clemson. That is better TV inventory. And that trickles down. Purdue and Rutgers and Indiana and Minnesota and Northwestern and Illinois, they're all going to get that money. Wake Forest and North Carolina State and all those teams, they're going to get some of that money from the Clemson-Ohio State regular season game that you create here. So I think those schools think they need the money. 
They think they need the money to support all their other sports. They think they need their money to live the lifestyle they're accustomed to, and they can't imagine giving that up, even if it might, in the Shahan world, which I'm not disagreeing with, create a better football experience for 12 weekends for your fans and your players, because you're sort of accepting what you are, leaning in to the regionalism and to the competitiveness and not banging your head against losing. Oh, great. Cool. Thanks. Great. We're Minnesota. Oh, we're going to add, we're playing USC and and Florida state this year because that's our cool. All right, great. So four and eight, we're four and eight then. Oh, great. Four and eight, but they want the money. I think they want the money because they think they can't live without it. Well, all I'll say to kind of close this out is I would rather be a Cincinnati fan than be a Purdue fan. I I just think it's way more fun to be a Cincinnati fan right now and live quote unquote without that money than to have a whole bunch of money that you put into going three and nine. Man, that just got real because that is like a decisively winning argument by you. And like if Cincinnati was in the Big Ten, Cincinnati would be Purdue. Yeah. So who would you rather be? Yeah. Who would you rather be? And guess what? I think you just won. You should call somebody. (laughs) Call the commissioners and tell them this. Well, and 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 guess what? Uh, Cincinnati can still field the volleyball team. They they still find a way to pay the bills. Maybe it's uh, without paying their head coach six million dollars. But they they turn out to be just okay. And they've even had uh, basketball tournament success. Like there's a lot to like about being a Cincinnati fan that. Even Purdue can't match, even though they're a member of the Big Ten. Like, even like, would you rather be Houston football or Texas Tech football? Right? Like, there or like, the there's same. like, there's other examples you can find. It's like, okay, well, one's supposedly in a power conference and one's not, but who would you rather be? Who's winning more? Who's having more fun? Who's having, who's having a better time on 12 Saturdays a year? Ooh, you came in hot at the <laughs> end, Sean. That's a good argument. Well, we could continue this kind of. Uh, it's like the shadow playoff. I, I think I think it's like around the edges of this. I think there's some good stuff. Listen, we're the college football playoff show, but to your point, the Q&A episode, this press conference every week gives us some time. I originally thought like, hey, only ask us questions about the playoff. We're the playoff show. But I actually think that's wrong. And I think we figured that out that we want people to ask us questions about everything in college football because we want to talk about everything in college football. And then on the main pod, we're going to decide like, if, if you're not good enough, we're not talking about you. But here we will talk about everybody. That thing in the end, would you rather be Cincinnati or one of these other bottom half teams in a power five conference? That's a great argument. I think we can keep doing some of that stuff the rest of the season. We appreciate you guys listening. Again, I would encourage you, if you like the show, to try the texts. You get to ask some questions, even if it's not even questions, comments, bring up some ideas that'll spur discussion like this. We love it. We appreciate you guys doing it for us and being part of it. 817-442-6789. Don't miss the main pod this week. North Carolina, do they deserve to be a playoff contender? And ranking the quarterbacks for all the playoff teams. Season's almost here. We're excited for it. And the College Football Playoff Show is going to document it every step of the way. For Shahan J. Haraja, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the College Football Playoff Show.